hidden behind closed doors. This is Beer of Movies. I'm Jason. And I'm Michael. Michael, what are we discussing today? Oh, today we're discussing 1981's The Prowler. Jason, what are we drinking today? Today we are drinking a brown L from Hop Secret, local Monrovia, Risket for the Biscuit. 7.6 ABV. A little stronger than your average brown L. Yeah. Cheers. Cheers. They are sponsoring this episode. Yeah, they provided the beer. This place is in your neighborhood. Yes. It's right off the train. You can get off the train. Many a time. Yes. And you're like a two-minute walk. Great little brewery. And I popped in there after recording one time, chatted up with one of the owners, Kai, really nice fella, and told him what we did. And again, there's this meshing of B-movie nerdiness and brewing the brewing world that I love. It's the letter B. It is. Absolutely. So, And he said he, he was all in. I saw Risk It for the Biscuit. And I said, first of all, it's a great name. Course. And then I love a good brown ale. So do I. This thing's malty. It's got the chocolate. Chocolatey. Notes. Yeah, this is. It's we're recording. It's winter coming up on the holidays. Not necessarily cold out. <laughs> I think <we're, laughs> it kind of warmed up a little bit today. But it's that want a roaring fire. If it was raining like two days ago, excellent. I mean, yeah. this is excellent to begin but, I mean, with. It's great. Yeah, yeah, it's great on a, on a hot day. But yeah, you know, you could you could like have some rain at the window and a fire in the fireplace, and you're just kind of tucking in so it's it's tasty the connection we're making risk it for the biscuit there's a bit of risk in this film this was your choice we've it both was. seen it we discussed this during our slasher special but there is a risk that they took the risk is who they choose to be the villain in this the the mass slasher which is a world war ii veteran and generally you don't have people from the greatest generation as i referred to as a masked villain. And at first you could say, well, this could be anybody dressed up as a soldier, but it's quite clear that this is a vet from World War II. Yeah, he, when he goes out to do his killing, when you read about it, people were reading into it in the sense of, you know, don't forget about your veterans because that's, that's a bad thing. That's kind of what the message they got. Yeah. Or they said PTSD wasn't really that well known. And like, hey, war can do some really damaging things. It's not just the physical. It's the it mental. Could be that. Yeah. It's a risk at that time, at any time. It's a risk to say, hey, you know what? The psycho killer is a war hero. I like this movie. I find it brutal. It's dark. You, you'll read about it. Tom Savini said that this is some of his best work. And therefore, a lot of the focus sometimes is on these practical effects. And they stay with that shot long enough to make me highly uncomfortable every single time. Because if Tom Savini says this is some of his best work, you know it's going to be intense yes. and, and kind of unrelenting. What I found interesting was that the writers of this, there's three writers who get credit for this, they were all cartoon writers. And they broke out, and I think they wrote this movie and another horror movie. But I, it just it's such a contrast, because I look at their list on IMDb of all these children cartoons that they wrote, True. and I look at this movie, I'm like, whoa! But, you know, those ch- <laughs> children's cartoons sometimes can be downright violent. Snorks, <laughs> smurfs. <laughs> I, mean, I mean, he's always trying to, trying to catch and boil the smurfs. <laughs> So and there's just this weird dreamlike quality to this film. There are times when I'm watching it that I just go, what am I watching? This thing is a, like this surreal kind of shots and the way it feels. You know, we start with the Dear John letter. The movie has three beginnings. The first beginning before the Dear John letter is a faux fake news world of World War II of the troops coming home on the Queen Mary, which is docked here in uh, Southern California, Long Beach. But it's it's a strange news reel because you can tell it's not from that time period because at the end, they, they talk about psychological damage and the men who get the Dear John letters, well, they'll be starting their lives over again. <laughs> and then it goes to number two, like you were saying, the... The Dear John letter. Super close up of a handwritten letter and a, a lady, a voiceover reading. You can see some of what she's reading. And it's just tell, telling this dude, you know, this is your classic Dear John yeah. letter. And then we transition again to Avalon Bay in June of 1945. And there's that big band music and everybody's going to this dance. And they and the, and the fellows, they all talk like this, huh? <laughs> they, for some reason, in the, in the 40s... Look at that that car, darling. You know what I mean? It's clear this is a college. It's a graduation day for for the college and everything. Yeah, men in uniform taking ladies out. You know who served and who didn't because the men who aren't wearing uniforms did not serve in their snotty, 
rich, privileged punks. Yeah. It takes place right after VE Day, which was in May of 45. And it's in June of 45. And then September 45 is when uh, VJ Day. So the wars came to a close on the European front. So a lot of the men are back. I did notice that the MC, the song they played, was it the brown? That little brown. We we mentioned that before when we covered Arson Incorporated. Yes. Very similar talking people. Yes, exactly. They all talk. At least they were in the 40s. You know, these people are just playing people in the 40s, and they, they must have got, they took their cues from how to talk from movies from the 40s, man. I was impressed. This is going to be a costume drama. There's an attention to detail, and there's like the layers yeah. of how they started the film, and, you know, they're giving you some backstory. Then we find out that Rosemary is stepping out with a young, rich punk. He's, he's real snide right from the, hey, keep hands off my lady. Yeah. You know, he's a, he's a spoiled brat. He comes from, like, local money. Big fish, little pond type deal. The only characterization that's done in that scene is his character. Because everybody else, as Mike and myself watch these movies multiple times, yes. you pick up on some details that red herrings. Because during the dance, there's a lot of people's names mentioned. And one is, where's Kingsley? And this will come up later on. But unless you're paying attention, it was kind of a throwaway. But it was intended to say, hey, later on when you meet Kingsley, since he disappeared during the dance... Maybe he's our yes prowler. So <laughs> the little brown jug. Um, so no, Rosemary and this fella, she she wrote the dear John letter, broke up with her man. She's seeing Georgie now. Or Roy. Roy. Georgie White was mentioned. Was I rewound that stuff so many times because like who were those two people? Yeah. <laughs> right. Did you exactly. Ever, did you ever catch anything? Because they were this couple. It's a man in uniform. He's back yeah. from the war, yeah. and they're walking into the dance, and they're talking about like Roy pulls up in his big fancy car, and she's like, "Look at that!" And he and he's like, oh, "That thing doesn't do you justice, <laughs> sweetie." <laughs> For the life of me, Jason, those people had nothing else to do. We don't later. We don't find out they're older mm-hmm. people or they had kids or something. Yeah. So okay. So it wasn't just me. And my beer-soaked brain. No. <laughs> like missing stuff. Because the sheriff's name is George Frazier. And so at first I kept replaying and saying, are they saying his name? No, it's Georgie White. Exactly. So Rosemary and Roy take off. They leave the dance. They're going to the point. Which tells you something. <laughs> the movie starts and you wrote a Dear John letter. <laughs> and now you're leaving with a snot-nosed punk. I mean, we're going to get some action. So they do. They get right to it. Because they're going off. And he's doing the hard, hard sell. Yeah. He's like... He's trying to get a little farther than she's really comfortable with. Well, I think they probably had already consummated their relationship on New Year's because he even mentioned, well, what about New Year's? She's like, well, you know, I was yeah, in the mood at that time. Drunk. <laughs> so as this is going on, we cut to our villain. He's suiting up. He's got like a, it's a bayonet, I think. It's, it's a knife that's unusually long and slender. I, you'd fix it on the end of a gun. With exactly. A big knife. And he's like getting set. So it looks like a soldier getting ready. For to, war. Yeah. Which is unpleasant. But then... I've never seen this, but he's got a pitchfork. Yeah, that that's the one thing that is stands that, out. Was that <laughs> standard like issue left over? I could, you know, like they said, oh, by the way, this, this is just tradition. Yeah, like they have a saber, like a guy will carry a saber. Like, oh, that's tradition. But I don't know if at any point they're here, boys. This is the pitchfork. It's kind of a standard slasher. bladed weapon. Yes, bladed weapon. Because in this movie, another thing that that separates this from most slashers is the killer does use a gun. And that's just not typical. In slashers, they are usually edged weapons or stabbing weapons. He catches them in a gazebo, gets them both. Rosemary's watching as he goes. Think about that. I know. She's watching. She's underneath Roy. He's getting impaled by a pitchfork, and she knows that it's coming for her. And the prowler, our villain, is using his boot, like you would use on a pitchfork, to push further and further. It's a very brutal scene. (laughs) you got to have some hate in your heart. Uh, I know. (laughs) But then... He leaves a rose. That's just that's effed up. And it does remind me where we covered My Bloody Valentine, where that costume villain was in a miner's outfit. Yes. And used a traditional miner's weapon, a pickaxe, as yep. a weapon, a bladed weapon. In this, it is odd that it's a soldier. And he does use soldier weapons. But the one weapon he does use is like, the, it just stands out. It's like... I mean, all I can say is that there's the imagery of the pitchfork yeah. is sort of like, ah, it's Tom Savini was just like, if I was going to go kill people, I'd use a pitchfork. 
Also, Jason, the idea of this film being called The Prowler, he does prowl around, but it's a little deceiving. Like, I feel like it's an odd tale, because a prowler, I'm always thinking of, like, somebody robbing, or... I don't know. It's just, The Prowler, I think, was an odd title for me. And it hits on rule, because this has multiple titles. I think it was called Rosemary Killer at mm -hmm. one time. I think it was re-released, research online, I think in the a couple years after this, in a region illegally. It was called Pitchfork Massacre. But it had a bunch of titles. But I would agree, The Prowler, and it's that term is only used. We do know that there is a crime situation going on, but the only person to use the term The Prowler is Miss Allison. I don't know if she's the head of the sorority, but when she eventually has... Yeah, the house mother. Eventually we get to the point where she has to announce to the crowd, like, there's a prowler going on. And otherwise, <laughs> it, it, I agree with you. It's an odd term because... Prowler, I'm expecting prowler. like B&E or something like that. Yeah. You know, someone is going to order your car. Hey, there's a prowler. Yeah. I don't think there's a, a, a killer dressed up in World War II military yeah. gear. Yeah. Going up pitchforking <laughs> people. I don't know. Maybe... I, <laughs> Splitting hair <laughs> yeah. or something. So, no, after that kill, we're jumping ahead. We got the credits. Avalon, <laughs> yeah. And then Avalon Bay, June 28th, 1980. We're 35 years in the future. We have Deputy Mark Landon showing up, and he has the most 80s, 70s hair. Oh, I kept looking at his hair. I'm like, man. Is that, that <laughs> I mean, it really it is. I can't. I just can't tell you how. It's something you feel like you would see in a Paul Thomas Anderson movie. Yeah. <laughs> you go back and you go, we need the most 1980s haircut. Hair. Exactly. It is. It's just like this sort of helmet of hair. Yes. I don't know how that works. And he's looking at, I believe it is Sherry and Lisa who are putting up the sign for the graduation dance because after 35 years of not having a graduation dance, they're going to have it again. And he is kind of getting a little eye candy as they're adjusting it's the sign. parallel to My Bloody Valentine. Yep, that, exactly. That same thing where it's like, hey, we haven't had this because a terrible thing happened. Harry and Warden killed people. And, now, and we're going to have the dance again after all and, these years. And nobody knows. Nobody, nobody has any idea who killed Roy and Rosemary. Yeah. <laughs> it's just the guy who ends up being the sheriff for God knows how long in Chatham County. We might as well talk about that now. We watched this multiple times. And... This last few and I'm going to go, wait a second. People had to know that the sheriff dated Rosemary, that he went off the war. People also had to know in a small town, like this is not a major metropolis. I'm assuming it's a college town that she cut it off. She wrote a Dear John letter down. You don't write a Dear John letter to a one night stand. Those were intense. Those yeah. were a big deal back in the day. Yeah. I'm sure they still are. They're just yeah. now they're text or you know, an email. <laughs> but no, people, it was like somebody that you were devoted yeah. to. He comes home, and she gets murdered with her new boyfriend. Yeah. a jerk. I'm sure there weren't a lot of tears shed for Roy. No. He was just an, and a very short People time, are probably like, he deserved it. In a very short time, that's some really good characterization, because we were all like, yay, he's going <laughs> to die. So, no, but you're right. It doesn't even seem like he was questioned. And yet he rises to a place a, of prominence. Exactly, in the town. Harley he becomes Granger. a juror. Exactly. Yeah, well, crisscross. There you go. Yeah, he was uh, Alfred Hitchcock. Um, two Strangers on a Train. He was the nutball who yeah. came up with the idea. You do my murder, I do your That's murder. Right. That's right. <laughs> so, anyway, yeah, Mark is kind of like flirting, and he's got a lady. Pam, our lead. But he seems like he's sort of flirty. And it, this kind of stuff kind of happens throughout a little bit. And Pam's sort of standing there watching going, I mean, there's innocent flirtation, yeah. but it clearly bothers her a bit. Yeah. And Pam is a, no doubt her degree is in journalism because she writes for the school paper and is actually delivering the graduation edition. And I assume the final paper she'll deliver during her, her college course because she's graduating. But it's mentioned later on that she knows about Rosemary's death. She mentioned that Major Chatham discovered his daughter's body and yeah. the body of the other boy, Roy. But yeah, so they go down to the sheriff station. Pam explains to Sheriff George. He really wants to fish. Yeah, he's like, you know I can't start the season without fish. <laughs> okay, on one hand, I understand that. If that's like your tradition, you go, hey, every year I take my vacation, I go fishing and blah, blah, blah. But also, he has knowledge, and he even says, this is the first time we're doing this dance in like 35 years. A lot of people aren't going to like that, yeah. and they're not cool with it. So I sort of think you're sort of abdicating your, your responsibility. Granted, he is the killer, so it's like, he, I'm giving myself an alibi, but yeah. he also murdered two people 35 years ago yeah. and doesn't seem to have <laughs> faced any questioning. So, I mean, it is a little weird. Like, nobody seemed to go, hey... 
people aren't gonna like this. Why is the sheriff leaving? I feel like he should have been staying. Particularly when right before he leaves, like, oh, by the way, state police called. Someone robbed and then cut up a kid up in Columbus, and they believe he stole the car and he's making his way here. You can handle it, Mark. I mean, you've been here for two years. Like, like Whatever that means. He's driving away. And then turns around and goes, oh, by the way, yeah. there's murder heading your way. Headed our way. Well, and I kept, I mean, I guess there, there was enough there, like phone calls and such, but I almost felt like, did, was that even a real thing or did the sheriff construct that? Because I know he took a phone call. Everybody only got that info from him, right? Well, no, because at that very end of the movie when Mark also, when they're oh. Scooby doing it and he's making calls... And he's like, also, I just got a call from the state police. Turns out they nabbed that guy. So, like, so the that, killer's that, not, that, the, the prowler's not that guy. But the, yeah, and, and to me, that's just like, what's the point of that even being thrown out there? Because we know it's not going to be some rando killer. Because they're throwing out so many red herrings like it could possibly, like the people but who live there. that's a dumb one, because we know it's not just going to be some guy outside of the story that pops in. But the sheriff, I just love that. He's like, he goes to Kingsley's, to, and we get another red herring where Otto, who's kind of the simple-minded... The, the Lenny, you yes, know. the Lenny. That's yeah, a guess. mice and men Lenny that's type of character. Yeah. yeah, Kingsley's telling him, you know, you got to do your job and stuff. And he's just this big, balding, kind of simple-looking guy. Kingsley tells him, like, you know. Have you been watching these girls again? Because they've talked about Major like Chatham. Yeah. And Kingsley, all of a sudden you make a connection if you listen very carefully back in 1945. Kingsley is one of the men who disappeared from the dance. Yeah, where is Kingsley? And so all of a sudden you meet him, and he, he comes. He gives a creepy vibe. Oh, you know? he's oily. He would be like in an adult film, like working on the set of an adult film, you know? <laughs> or he'd be the guy who owned a strip club in another movie, right? I mean, he does have that. He has that, where you're like, look, we're I, all of a sudden, ooh, maybe Kingsley. Yeah, guys like possibly. him are the reason my mom always told me to stay away from the trailer park. You know what I mean? <laughs> But yeah, so they, they sort of set these things up. Yep. You probably are only going to pick some of this stuff up. The yeah. Kingsley thing we picked yeah. up because we've watched it a yes. number of times. Yeah. And I'm not saying I really like this movie. I do. But you do if you sit down and you, it's something that is just going to slide by, which I think is kind of cool because, you know, the writing, it's like, hey, we're going to tuck this in yeah. there. It's almost like a little Easter egg type yep. thing that, oh, I didn't catch that first time yeah. around. But then it's, it's also, you go, why? Because you do have to watch it multiple times. If you catch that the first time through... I did not. It took me several watchings before I'm like, oh, that's a Kingsley they make reference. Because there's so much like overlapping dialogue in that opening scene at the dance that I would go back and listen. i go, there's got to be stuff in here. So anyway... Sheriff's gone, man. He's yeah. he's out. He, he got a stick of deodorant before he headed out because that was the last item he needed before going on vacation. <laughs> Again, just an odd little thing. You got to go to Kingsley's. <laughs> Get a stick of deodorant. I think he had a can of Barbasol and he bought deodorant. I mean, honestly, like I'm looking at what he's holding in his hand at that, in that scene. Don't it's you a can let of your beer go on vacation when you're fishing? And you know what? You're going to be by yourself. Leave the deodorant behind, too. <laughs> so then we have to get to the sorority house. Old man Chatham across the way, apparently. like There's a lot of creeps in this, in this yes. town, apparently. Because old man Chatham like sits and watches the girls across the way. And that was played by Lawrence... Tyranny? Am I pronouncing his last? I mean, it's Tyranny, Joe Cabot. Yeah, yeah from, Lawrence, Lawrence Tyranny. Joe Cabot from sure he had Reservoir Dog. Pretty colorful life. Oh, he did. He he wrote uh, he wrote a book and also film noir, Born to Kill. He yep. was in it with also Elijah Cook Jr. Well, Great duh. film noir. I'm sure Elijah Cook Jr. was an extra in this movie somewhere. Totally unused. I mean, basically, I don't think he says a word at all the entire movie. They're yeah. like. I don't know, maybe he's related to something. They're like, Uncle Uncle Lawrence, <laughs> yeah. can you, you do you mind doing a day's work? Yeah, you're gonna... he, the only time we see him is when, when Pam's running. Somehow he yeah. gets out in the middle of nowhere with his a wheelchair, wheelchair. <laughs> and he just grabs her because he's a creepo. So anyway, you know, one of the women flashes Lisa. Him. So you know she's going to die. She's yeah. flashing an old man, so you know she's doomed to die. They're all getting ready for the dance. Everybody's heading out. Sherry's still in the shower. If my roommate is in the shower for like hours... <laughs> I'm, I'm going to say, eventually say, you know, water's not free. Or say, hey, is everything okay? <laughs> there is. There is a cutoff time. Yeah. You know, it's like, like you're not calling Jesus. someone after 10, but you're going, dude, take a bath. She's in there for hours. And people are like coming and going. And they're going, I'm just closing the door. So Sherry's in the shower. Pam leaves. And you get one of these first, there's a lot of little jump scares where people, particularly Pam, she backs into people a lot. 
like a lot and they're like bam oh it's not the killer it's not the prowler it's you know paul but so paul lisa and sally are heading off to the dance and then you see the first a very slash thing pov shot as the prowler goes into that room but it's not the prowler no it's not exactly it's a guy it's it's carl (laughs) who just goes in and opens the shower I mean, even if you're familiar with the person, that's kind of inappropriate. It is. But Sherry didn't seem to mind. Yeah, she didn't. <laughs> that's why she gets it. Exactly. So, so he's like, you know, doopity doo. He's yeah. like, I'm going to go wait for you. And I'm so shocked. I just Every time I watch this, I was shocked. I'm like, oh, there should have been like a small bar. That guy goes and powers himself a drink because yeah. he's going to get prime the pump kind yeah. of deal. But he doesn't. And then we get our first really like intense. Just aw- it's, it's, awful. It's hard to watch. It's awesome, though. The killer comes up with that long freaking, I'm just calling it a bayonet, right through the, from the top of the head all the way down. And the guy does some great acting because like the eyes roll back and he's just, and they do, they hold it as he's just spasming. It's long enough where you're like, this is uncomfortable. It is a brutal scene. This movie seems to make you want to like viscerally feel what a murder is like. It's not just cute, funny Freddy Krueger making like how many crazy ways it's like like Tom Savini I think was really trying to put you there in contrast another episode for January's New Year's Evil where you actually don't see most of the slashers killings you just see the aftermath always cut away and this he's like we're not going to cut away one second and you're forced to watch it and I'm like this is a pretty brutal it's gnarly, dude. Yeah, so I love it. <laughs> but no, because it's really well done. Oh, it is. It is. It is, it is it, intense, intense. But it, at the same time, you're just going, "Whoa!" I can see why people shy away from the genre. Yeah, it makes the killing feel yeah. real. Yeah, you know. So anyway, it's Sherry. Yes. So Carl's done. Victim number one in our modern times, and of course, the killer's in that room, and Sherry's in the shower. She gets it next with the pitchfork, and once again, they don't shy away from the scene. Yeah, Let the this, scene end. Yeah, Let this, the scene end. This is, yeah. this is nudity, you know, 13-year-old Michael would not enjoy. Exactly. <laughs> you know, <it's> like <laughs> <laughs> well, you also, you don't want to be the 13-year-old kid who's like, this is the kind of nudity that no, I really like. <laughs> I probably wouldn't be here. But yeah, I, I'd be like, ah, oh, they kind of ruined boobs for yeah. me there. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. And then, you know, it's that classic cutaway where all of a sudden it transitions to them cutting the cake at the graduation dance. Oh, yes. Yes, the, <laughs> the cheap cut. And then we're on to Mark making another jerk of himself at the dance, but he's doing, like, the lamest dance. Like, I just I kept laughing because it is. Billy Crystal, when he talked about the white man over by yeah. him, when, when Harry met Sally, it's just, he's doing this cheese ball. He goes into the dance and, like, ladies are grabbing him. Lisa pulls him away and Pam sees this. Lisa may, might not be the best friend. No, no, I, I agree. She's that she's... friend that's like, I'm trying to sleep with you it's like pretty clear that's pam's boyfriend i'm trying to sleep yeah. with this guy so but he's being nice yeah he's not he, he, but he I is, mean, he's a deputy of the town he has to have some political acumen you know? there's also the drunky guy the drunk the drunky dude oh um is it paul's a paul's a drunky guy clarissa leachman's son Okay. Yeah. He's putting booze. Powder blue, 1980s. And he's pouring <laughs> booze into the punch. He's that guy. You always got that guy. You got the nerd guy who was in... Riptide. Riptide. Murphy. Also in John Carpenter's Prince of Darkness. That's right. And he does a whole bunch of... You, you, you oh, yeah. recognize his voice he's in the first thing. Yeah. He's, he's yeah. been around forever. But yeah, he was... A, a, I think he's a teacher now at North or something like that. But anyway. he, he's there as like the nerd guy yeah. with glasses. Ben. Yeah, he gets killed by Alice Cooper in Prince of Darkness. You know, and I gotta tell you, a lot of the costumes, it's like, who is dressing these people? Because, like, the women are dressed super frumpy. There's just a lot of Golden Girls dresses in this movie. Did you notice that? I did, but I'm thinking... I just went, this is unfortunate. You is that beautiful what young women... And 1980 going, fashion, though? I mean, maybe... Um, some, but, I mean, we, we know people we could ask, and I yeah. think if we showed them, they'd go, that's not even then. That's yeah. not cool. That was like... <laughs> like, they, they found someone 70-year-old aunt and said can you run costumes for our movie and she went oh i've got some really nice floral prints but it was they were just these dumpy outfits with like matching shawls i'm like this is what a 22 year old woman wore in 1980 i don't think so maybe in avalon bay you know it's like almost like they had a dress code it had to be below the knee so yeah so pam is a little jealous yeah and mark goes over he's like hey man i was just you know trying to be friendly lisa comes knocks him Punch right over Pam's dress. Yeah. And, and she is and 
irate. Goofy guy, party boy, dumped all the booze in. So she was just like, screw it, I'm going to... I'm going to go back to the dorm and yeah. change my dress. And she... And she puts on this frumpy outfit. She, <laughs> Is that a teal color that she's oh, wearing? it's so bad, Jason. <laughs> it's like so unfortunate this young woman had to, had to be subjected to that outfit. But she goes in and... She's like, okay, Sherry. It was clearly, like, I marked it in the movie. Like, it's 10 minutes now, movie time. Wait, when, when I left, you were showering. When I came back, like, two hours later, you were I'd be showering. like, hey, I would have checked and said, have you fallen over? Something happened in the bathroom. Or, I, yeah. You know, I, but instead I, of. I, I would have just said, you know what? I'm, I'm just going to beg for forgiveness if I'm wrong. Yeah. But yeah, I'm concerned. I'm, I'm exactly. Concerned. But yeah, she goes to close the door. She's, she's like, I'm closing the door, and there's blood all I know, over the door. Because the killer's in there. This is pretty tense because you're thinking Pam's going to be our final girl. But in this scene, she's walking downstairs, and the killer, all of a sudden, she looks up, and there's a dude, full World War II uniform face covered and she assumes the worst she runs is her reaction that she, she thinks that maybe that's that person who's coming from columbus and she runs in terror I mean, assuming I, the worst it could be you know I, i'm i'm just larping up here oh, okay. i just gotta be honest Jason. i didn't think about that at all i thought if i looked up at the top of yeah. some stairs and saw somebody in World War II full-on combat fatigues yeah. with his face covered, I'm not going to start questioning him. I'm not going to say, excuse me. Excuse me, sir. Yeah. Uh, who are you looking for? Who are you a guest of? I'm, And they're silent. They're just yeah. standing there staring at you. I would just run. I'm not going to be some false bravado. I'm like, in reality, I'd book it. And do you think the sheriff, who is the prowler, so do you think the sheriff had something for Pam. The first two victims attack right away. But Pam, she takes off running and he does that slasher movie walk after, but he doesn't rush after, run after. He doesn't make a concerted effort to get her right at that time. I also think maybe because he was the one surprising people. Pam surprised him. him. He wasn't expecting her to come Come back. Because she she shouldn't have been there. We don't know the relationship. Are they somehow connected? Because the sheriff makes one reference one time when Mark says, oh, those two um, other college women who showed up, they're friends of Pam's. And the sheriff says, I wouldn't think that Pam would have friends like that. At the end, you know, sheriff does something, say, say something odd to Pam. It's kind of strange where Pam is the final girl and he gives her ample time. That hallway scene where she's trying to unlock the door, he's just like, yeah, he kind oh, of ran slow, up and got her. Slow. It's like, I got my bum knee. Yeah. <laughs> but, no, but it, it's the cliched buildup of tension, but it works. It does, it does. Because you, you do think, as I open another Hop Secret, brisket oh, yeah. for the biscuit brown ale. Thank you again, Hop Secret. Absolutely. Cheers on that. Cheers. Oh, and you know what? As this warms just a little bit. Chocolatey. Roasty. Yeah, more roast comes yep. out. This is great. I, see, I love I love all styles of beer. I'm a fan of every style. I don't think there's anyone that I go, oh, I don't like that. But um, like a good brown, brown malty brown ale, it's like right in my wheelhouse. Yeah. That's from the Midwest where you have winter can get bitterly cold. There is something, I'll drink these year-round, but like when it is cold, there is something to be nice. said for that malty, dark beer. And you just go, ah, man, I'm really could use a burger right now yeah. or something, you know? It's like, and there is several times where um, I take the gold line every day to work and back, and I'd have my neighbor across the street <laughs> meet me on a Thursday and Friday. Hop Secret is right there off the gold line in Monrovia. You step off the train. Yep. In two minutes, you can be ordering a pint. Yeah, you can be ass down in a chair <laughs> and drinking true. a beer. <laughs> no, it's true, and it's, it's a great little spot. I've got something planned yeah where I want to do like a pub crawl using the train because California people are always shocked at how much rail system there is out here. I've got a kind of a pub crawl. Oh, cool. But it's a brewery crawl plan I've been planning. Nice. And one of the stops, I mean, you're always going to be welcome. I'll let you know. People with strong backs. Because we are not going to wait up if you can't, if you can't hang. But Hop Secret is one of them. You just you, you we're going to take the train all the way as far out as we can and work our way back, stopping, nice. having a pint. Hop Secret has to be on that trip. Absolutely. You know? Yeah, I mean, because you could get off that train and you could do a short, not even a quarter mile walk south and you get the Pacific Plate. Pacific Plate. And north, you could get to Wienwalker. And actually... Um, David from Wingwalker is one of the people who sort of pushed me towards Hop Secret. Secret. I knew they were there, yeah. but he said 
he knew those yeah. guys. So that when I went there, I, I mentioned uh, Wingwalker had sent me. And I love that kind of simpatico. The way the breweries, they all support it. It's like, of course, I want my business to do really well, and I think my beer's better. Yeah. But at the same time, there's nobody's dogging each other. So anyway, we're so after Pam can't figure out how to unlock a door for Jeez. a while, she gets out, and that's where she and out of nowhere she gets her frumpy dress gets grabbed by Major Chatham again. Jason, why? Why, why do they make this guy a thing? Because you you know in the very beginning they mentioned that he's had a stroke. He's in right a off. You're like and this we, and can't be the if you're Scooby doing it. This can't be the killer unless he's fooled everybody for years. And they focus on his gloved hand pulling her dress. Are they trying to insinuate that maybe he's the killer? But you just saw the killer chase her, so you know that's not... I mean, there, it's just a obstacle in her path, another little jump scare. Because when she, she gets away and she continuously runs, and then another jump scare, it's Mark. Yes. Because <laughs> her back's turned again. <laughs> and again, Jason, this is a very this is a very odd behavior because Mark goes, all right, you stay here in the dark. I'm yeah. going to go. He yep. leaves her. And, and I just thought, again, I don't think he would do that. Just leave her alone as I'm going to go walk into the dark and find something. So, again, I almost feel like they were sort of maybe implying, like, maybe Mark is yeah. the killer. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. You know what I mean? And his feathered hair. It's, just like, his hair like helmet. Two large fish fillets <laughs> on the side of his head. It was just <laughs> well, I have a feeling that Mark... And this, didn't oh, go to a police academy. Beca- no, and this is when it becomes the weird whodunit. That's yes. what I wrote. Because yeah. we had talked about it. Suddenly we go from like a, a standard slasher <laughs> movie to this Miss Marple, you know, like, like mystery. You have a mystery solve. Because he goes, he's like, I got to go to Major Chatham's. Well, even before that, and this is what gets to your thing about Mark. He's a deputy. Now, granted, the town's very small. But even when he goes back into the dorm room, he goes up to the, and she said, Carl and Sherry up there, they, they could be in danger. And he goes up there and he twists the door and it's locked and he hears the shower. He doesn't say, tap, 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 Avalon Bay Police, are you guys okay in there? Somebody was in your home. Yeah, some <laughs> nothing. Threat- He's some like, threatening <laughs> masked figure was in your home just now. I might have to see you naked. Yeah. Hold on, I'm coming in. You know Nothing. What I mean? No true police boy, power. Boy, and again, I'm no forensic specialist, but, you know, a man in that room had a knife shot yeah. through his entire head. Uh, you'd think even in 1980, even, like, there, there'd had, have to be some blood. But Pam didn't notice it when she was in the room either. Yeah, so. exactly. Yeah, so... so it, <laughs> they're they're not very good. I would detectives. think there would have to be some. They mess. are the worst Nancy Drew Hardy Boy team up ever. But no, it does. It becomes the who done it. So they go, like you said, to Major Chatham's house, and this is another part where I don't understand how law enforcement works. He's not responding. Does he have any evidence that he should be breaking and entering the house? And they're like, we're going to go around the back. Like, he's just letting Pam lead him. And, like, they open the window and they get into his house. I'm like, I don't think a police officer should ever be doing that. No, in some parts of the country, that's a good way to get shot. Exactly. You know what I mean? You can defend your home if you think someone's breaking in. But oddly enough, the killer's in the house. I don't get it. Then we're back at the dance and they're saying everyone stay in the building. You can't leave, which, of course... You know, you tell a bunch of young, you know, people are all wound up with their hormones. You can't leave the building. Well, you know, people got to leave the building. Yeah. And that's when Miss Allison said, there's a prowler about. And Paul's in the bathroom with Murray from Riptide, like, tossing up his cookies and everything like that. Because yeah. he drank way too much. He got over his skis. Yeah. Which, I will say, quickly, <laughs> you, this brown ale, yeah. it is, because it is 7.6. But it's super smooth. Like this is an yeah. easy drinker. You, I could see getting over. Your oh yeah, on this thing. <laughs> Cheers. Plus, I mean, brisket for the biscuit. That's. <laughs> there you go. No pain, no gain. <laughs> yeah, seriously. He's like, leave, follow, get out of the way. So, what do you think? So, every once in a while, in this movie, when you start stripping down, looking at plot points, weird decisions are made. Lisa, who's upset that Paul's puking up his guts, is like, "Fine, I'm gonna leave the dance." Go for a swim. Gonna get down in my undies. But that's just the most the strangest behavior. I'm gonna go get naked and jump in the pool because they told me a prowler's on the loose. <laughs> it just it and, made and of course how does this end? Oh yeah, the the prowler's there. And, and that's the other thing. He's he was everywhere. at Major Chatham's house, and now he's like... Again, Jason, this is very much like My Bloody Valentine, where somehow like, it's impossible. Even, yeah. even if you, my suspension of disbelief can only go so far that the killer just keeps 
at the end of it, you go, no way could the person be everywhere that... Unless the city of Avalon Bay is like one block. <laughs> Everything sits around a town square. I would square. even challenge that. <laughs> I would even challenge that because he was. it went from the sorority house to Major Chatham's across the street. Yep. Yeah, so the pool kill... And that's another and brutal, Kingsley. brutal, Yeah. once again, oh, they need to cut away way too long. I mean, but the special effects are amazing. I think Tom Savini, when the shots dealing with the special effects, he was in the costume because he knew how the special effect needed to work. Because they said that there was three people who played the Prowler. The one scene, of course, when the mask is revealed and it's the sheriff, Tom Savini went to special effects and the other cutaway scenes were done by another actor when it's just walking around. Anyways, that drunk Paul is taken to the police station because Mark has to do at least one of his duties during the time. And, and all of a sudden we're in Mayberry. <laughs> yeah. Because he's in there and, the, and yeah, Paul's in the cell and he's going, Hey, Sheriff, I'm going to get out of here. I'm going to bust out. And he's like, Be quiet. Be quiet. <laughs> Another scene that really we didn't need. We do get, at this point in the movie, a Scooby-Doo in it and with characters that you've never really seen up until this time taking up plot points in this movie where you're like, okay, Murray from Uptide, character's name is Ben. Him and Sally go to the basement to mess around, and Mr. Turner, an older man who was back there in 1945, he had no idea who he is, he's ogling them, but then you get a sense that the killer's back at the dance, but you don't know what happens to Ben and Sally. Like the deleted scene or something, because, I mean, the, the, the movie, the versions I watched were about, I think, just under an hour and a half. Same with me. We found it, I think, on Tubi and YouTube. And originally on Amazon Prime it about a on Amazon, couple months ago. Yes. And, <laughs> and when we were going to watch it, I went, well, hell's bells. Amazon Prime <laughs> took it off, so I was able to find it. But yeah, it was just under an hour and a half. It's yeah. not that long of a movie. These scenes, I don't know if there were scenes that they deleted or if it was just... Yeah, they ran out of time. We can't really resolve what happens yeah. to Ben. Why is there this new character... In Mr. The last, Turner. The last third of the movie, we introduce a new character and make him look creepy. Yeah. And then Miss Allison goes to the pool where Lisa's at. She finds the, she finds the kill, and then what does she get for her troubles? She gets killed. <laughs> she did no wrong. She wants not one of these hypersexual college grads that the Prowler might be after in terms of his psychological break. And once again, that scene, a very vicious scene. Yeah, no, the, Tom Savini, I think, was trying to make you uncomfortable. I think he did a bang-up job because this movie makes you uncomfortable. It does. The kills are just like, oh, boy, so come on, here yeah. we go. So then, doesn't Kingsley show up? He does, he, at the sheriff's office. <laughs> Kingsley shows up out of nowhere, and he's kind of weird. They keep throwing curves. and It's too much, and you can't put all the pieces together. Yeah. So... And, and not that a slasher movie needs to be a mystery movie where you, you know, sometimes it's enjoyable to try to put the piece together and you solve it. Because he comes, he's like, there's kids up at the graveyard doing you know what, and then I've had enough of this. Now we're going to the graveyard? Like, what? Yes, exactly. Yes, we do. <laughs> we do go to a graveyard oh. and Mark's in a grave. Yeah. And is- <laughs> If you just heard us talking about it, you might think this was like some sort of parody film. No. Like airplane, but it's not. Because, you know, Mark's in a grave. And it turns out it's Rosemary's grave. You know, if I see open grave dug up of someone who's passed away, but my first inclination is not to say, you know what, I need to get down that grave and actually make sure that they didn't dig up the body. He, he's really concerned that it's dug up and that what's still left in the casket. But then he hears Pam scream. Because it turns out she's like, Otto was here. Otto's a peeper, I think. I don't want to say he's harmless because that is a creepy thing to be doing. But it seems like he's like the the simple, gentle giant. He was there. So, of course, we're thinking, oh, maybe Otto. Mark's like, I'm ditching Pam and I'm going to go solve this. She's like, no, no, you're not ditching me. We're in this together. We're going to go solve this crime. Get in the mystery machine. And so he wants to show her the grave. And I'm thinking, is he now Why involving is her in the investigation? Is is his policing skills so poor that he needs Pam, the college journalist, to help him solve this crime? Because they go back to the grave and he finally opens it up and Rosemary is not in the grave. It's Lisa. And that's devastating to like Pam. And they're like, oh. That's just devastating in general. <laughs> exactly. Somebody took the time to dig up a grave, <laughs> remove the body in it, and then put a fresh body in there. Why? Why? <laughs> what is this doing? Yeah. Okay, we forgot about this part. Mark tries to call the sheriff. And that is the most ridiculous part of the movie. It there's, a, there's this really heavy, heavy dude working up at the fishing. And that seems the, way the, too long. 
He does, but it's so brilliant because Mark calls up, and he's basically calling up saying, hey, I need to talk to this guy. A bunch of people are being murdered. Yeah. And this guy that works up at the you know the cabin place, yeah. the fishing like, village. Or I whatever, just started my shift. And, 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 and he's like, here, hold on. I ain't doing nothing. And he sets the phone down, and he turns, and he like opens the door. Pretends he's working. Waits, and he's like playing solitaire, and he's doing just something. Just and he's like he can't be bothered. No. And then he waits like a minute and a half, and then he slams the door so it sounds like he walked. But no, that that scene was so, just great because I just love the idea that this guy's like ah oh, oh, murders, huh? I don't care. And he comes back that like, he ain't here because yeah. <laughs> he does. He sounds like, like that. He's like I don't want to wake anybody up. They're sleeping. <laughs> and Mark not once said I'm the deputy. Chatham County, Avalon Bay, we have a murder going on here. I need to find a sheriff. And, and Jason, even if I wasn't a cop and I was calling up trying to get a hold of the sheriff, I would just point out, I'd say, uh, I need to talk to the sheriff because we have a bunch of murders <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> going on right now. <laughs> we have a cycle running through the town. Please get him. But this guy just couldn't be bothered to get his fat no. butt out of the chair. And I th- I don't know if it was played for a joke. Like, it was the oh, one that was so like funny point of the whole movie. And I'm like, why did you put that scene in? Was it to give a final laugh before this crescendo of this very violent ending? It, it's almost like one of the writers said, yeah, I did this one time. So yeah. I want to put this into the script. And I got this tubby fat friend who's hilarious. And he can pull it off. Yeah. He can pull off jerk really well. They are back at the Major's house. The Prowler, the villain, attacks Mark, knocks him out, doesn't kill him. Because I think the sheriff does, even though he's crazy now, he does care for Mark. It's clear at the very beginning that he can't trusts kill him. Mark. He yeah, can't so, kill Mark. So it's like because the first time I watched it, he doesn't outright kill him. He he hits him, drags him, and then you see him pull up the pitchfork, and you're thinking, "Oh, Mark's done." Yeah. But when you watch it a couple times, you realize, "Oh no, no, he doesn't do anything to Mark. He just right. he literally knocks him out to just move him out of you know not to be in, in, an obstacle anymore for his final kills." Exactly. Chasing her around, Pam's running around. More Scooby Doo stuff. There's like these little trinkets in the major's house in the in the hanging in the fireplace. Well, because it's that's where the killer put Rosemary's dead body from yeah. the cemetery. It's like is, up the, like why? I, I don't get it. I, I murdered this woman 35 <laughs> years ago, and now I just dug her up, took her back home, and shoved her into the chimney. Well, I mean, yeah. What the hell is that? Know. Even by crazy psycho standards, that's weird. Yeah, and it adds nothing to it. It's just a jump scare that when she pulls, when Pam's pulling on those lockets, the body comes down, and then there's a knock on the steady door, and she goes and opens the door, and it's the first time the Prowler speaks. I'm here for our date, Rose, and he hands a rose to Pam. And this starts a long cat and mouse game through this house between Pam and the killer. And then it leads up to the single weirdest moment. So the prowler corners her. Out of nowhere, Otto walks into the room with a shotgun and blasts the killer. (laughs) You know? And Pam and Otto have this moment. They look at each other and he just kind of looks at her and he sort of smiles and nods. Like, And there's this really pretty music that plays. It's just, it, it is so weird. It's like David Lynch. Weird. You're sort of going, well, is this the end? Of course it's not. Because it's a, it's a slasher movie so there's always that second twitch. But Jason... <laughs> Even in a slash movie with like the multiple endings, yeah. the, the false endings, yeah. have, this one is so strange. It's weird, yeah. Because it is. He just comes out of nowhere. He's got a gun. She was just freaked out by this Otto character. Know. Everyone knows he's a peeper. He's yeah. a weirdo. And he just blasts the dude. But then the music, this orchestral yeah. music plays over it that you're just going... What, what is it? Yeah, exactly. what, what did I accidentally eat a handful of acid before I watched this movie? It's it's just bat crap crazy. It's weird. Because yes, you're right. It, it is a false ending. Yeah. Because the prowler's not dead and he stands up and he he uses his shotgun that you see him load at the very beginning and he blows away Otto. And then it's a scramble between him and Pam because he's wounded with the shot and also Pam stabs him with the broken end of a pitchfork and they're struggling over that last bullet in a sawed off shotgun she gets the upper hand right before he pulls off the mask because he's having trouble breathing because he's wounded both with the pitchfork <laughs> and the bullet wound and it's the sheriff it's sheriff. <laughs> and you're like oh my gosh it's the sheriff <laughs> 
wait, what? <laughs> Pam and the sheriff are wrestling with that gun, and then Pam literally blows his head off. It's a great piece of And I was like, effects. whoa, <laughs> yeah, whoa. She gets it under his chin. Oh, and I was like, whoa. And it is, it's a great practical effect. There's you not going to be a prowler too. <laughs> if you're into, you know, film and like, you know, following, you know, studying stuff like this, it's a fantastic practical effect. Particularly since Farley Granger played the sheriff. He did not like having a cast done of it. He ha- he has um, claustrophobia. Yeah, he had a huge issue having Ooh, that, that cast that, done that on his face and like that. So they had like one cast, and that was really going to be it. Make this happen. The scene ends in that dreamlike quality of being at night in Avalon Bay. All of a sudden, it's sunny, and Mark is driving Pam back to the sorority house. It's a very dreamlike thing to go. Well, now that that's all over, I'm going to take you home. Yeah. They don't know yet that all those people are dead in the house. Exactly. But the killer was there. And, you know, we do know that other people have been murdered. Her friends have been murdered. So she goes in, finds, finally, Sherry and Carl been yeah. taking a 12 hour shower. Imagine that water bill <laughs> and that gas bill, the hot water. Spoken like a true dad. Just, that is such a dad thing. Cheers. Cheers. Here, a little more of this brown ale. You know what's great is you put this, the sun is coming through the window, and when you get the sun on that, it's just like a lovely it's brown nice, color. Yeah. Oh, this is a darn good beer, man. It is. So, yeah, no, she finds Carl and Sherry. They have one of these nightmare on Elm Streets where Carl Olsen reaches out and grabs her, and you're like, what is going on all of a sudden? And then she screams, and you realize it's just a hallucination. And But that's how they end the movie. <laughs> And then it goes to the, that pretty music. Yeah. It's off-putting. Yeah, it is. It, it is. It, it does. It makes you feel like you're, like you're sitting on a ball yeah. and you're trying to be steady. It's just constantly at this movement. That weird ending, I didn't get it. These guys are just kind of going, we're going to mess with people any way we can. My question to you is, would you recommend this movie? When we did our slasher movie episode, and I had told you before, like this this is an area of horror that's never been my favorite. And so besides watching the classics Halloween that I enjoy, I had not ventured a lot in this genre. This is the one that one of the ones I watched, because I think I watched over, I don't know, like fifteen slasher movies and then parts of about another 15 slasher movies and this one i thoroughly liked i have an issue that i do find like a lot of people we put off it is brutal i think the scenes sometimes they stay so long that it makes you in, in really uncomfortable if you're looking for a slasher movie that follows the model pretty much to a t and I think you could compare a lot between this and My Bloody Valentine, which is another one that I really enjoy. Yeah. That they're done well. Yeah, it's not a perfect movie. This is no. a B-genre slasher movie. I think it's a good movie. If you are a fan of horror movies and you have not seen this movie, I would say you should put it on your list and you should watch it. Caveat would, it's brutal and it's dark. think that you know some of the, the drawbacks are it's a little longer than I thought. There is, like we mentioned, a lot of Scooby doing and throwing out about a lot of red herrings. Like, who could be the killer? The first time, I think it might be a shock when you see who the killer is. But when you watch the second time, you're like, clearly, this is the. There's only one person who could be the killer. Could be. So, so much is pointing to this being that guy. Yeah, no, absolutely. Joseph Zito, who was the director of this, he went on to make Friday the 13th, the final chapter. But some people say that is the best, besides the first one, that is the best Friday the 13th. Like, that is a pivotal slasher movie. I would recommend it. What about you? Oh, absolutely. You're right in that it is brutal. It's not, to me, it's not one of those kind of like, oh, fun, like you get a group of people and like, hey, let's have drinks yeah. and laughs. This is a more intense. Like, I would say this is one of those, like, to compare it to music where they yeah. go like, oh, this guy is like John Prime. Yeah. was like, this is the musician's yeah. musician. This to me is like the slasher, like if you're really into slasher films, yeah. it's like the slasher films, slasher film. film. I think it aspires to be yeah. a little more than your average, like, eh, let's just throw Jason or Michael out there and have them cut people up and Freddy and do weird stuff. Yeah. Like this movie is, is pretty intense and it has a, an interesting story that, you know, there's a, the backstory and you're going, like, I have questions. Yeah. Like, I'm kind of curious <laughs> about some of this. I have questions that I would like to ask. The story interests me. Like you said, maybe a few scenes were a little long, and I go, I might have cut some stuff, and tell me more about these people, because yeah. I feel like you're you're throwing a little tidbit out there. I recommend it. 100% recommend Risk It for the Biscuit. Yeah, absolutely. Hop Secret, thank you guys so much. Yeah. It's delicious. That, it's that nice, 
chocolatey, roasty taste when it just sits for a bit. I know. Uh, like if we had a, a turkey this- pot pie. Right? Seriously, if we no. had a turkey pot pie right now, I'd be so happy. Do you ever, did you ever watch Bates Motel? I never got into that. So I liked it. Yeah. I was thinking, like, they could have done this and followed, you know, Sheriff Granger's career over a couple of, because if he's crazy one time. You gotta wonder. You gotta wonder. How, how many, like, lonely roads have yeah. shallow graves. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> you know About I mean? this sheriff. No, like, every know, time he goes to the fishing season, you know, right. like, whoa. Like 35 years, for 35 years, he was just a normal sheriff doing his doing I don't his believe that. Yeah. I just can't. I, I did a murder in 45, and then I was totally cool until 1980 yeah. and I was just I'm going to kill a bunch of young women in frumpy outfits and like what was going on with Major, Major Chatham like, like a sequel but a yeah. like prequel doing more prequels no you're, you're absolutely right what's I mean, with with Mr. Kingsley that you know slimy grocery store owner <laughs> As long as we can go back in time, people are like, yeah, I'm going to go get gas. I'm going to go get some petrol for the car. Yeah, yeah let's play Little Brown Jug. <laughs> the gas went up to six cents a gallon. <laughs> what do you think about that, toots? <laughs> no, it's a, it's a fun movie. It, it is. It, it, I enjoy it. It, it is intense. There's, it is. There's that weird dreamlike quality. Yeah. That's the only word I can phrase I can come up for where even the shots, they look sort of fuzzy and you're just like, am I in someone's bad dream? And it looked like they stayed with like kind of a blue like palette where it was kind of an odd, like at night you're like, this town, Avalon Bay is not a place I want to go at night. You're not sunbathing. This is not sunbathing country. You're in a place that's like, you wake up and there's fog, (laughs) you know? I mean, my kind of Pirate ghost probably. Yeah, I mean, I'm I'm totally cool with that, you know? It's like, I've got that pale Midwest <laughs> Irish skin so I'm like I'm cool with that <laughs> so again a hop secret thank you guys so much we, we appreciate the support yeah. anytime a brewery supports us in this way thank you absolutely I think that wraps it up it does for me like subscribe and comment wherever you listen follow us on Twitter Instagram and Facebook and check out our website this is Beer and Bee Movies I'm Jason and I'm Michael yeah.